1: After all, it's only pressure. You got this.
0: Adidas. The voice of the blues, Chris Kerber, joining us on the day after the Stanley Cup was awarded to the Colorado Avalanche. Good morning, Kerbs. How you doing? Randy, I'm doing well. How are you? Everything's great here and uh, let's start with this because the Blues did get eliminated and this isn't the first time this has happened by the eventual Stanley Cup champions and we've said it all along that uh, if Bennington doesn't get hurt, the Blues certainly could have and should have beaten Colorado. Do you think they would have beaten Tampa? Do you think this was a Stanley Cup championship Blues team if Bennington is between the pipes?
1: I, I, I said all along throughout the regular season, I, I said it through the playoffs, I still believe it, haven't watched the playoffs now. If the Blues could have gotten past Colorado, they they easily, yes, they could have beaten Tampa, they could have won a Stanley Cup. No doubt in my mind that they were a, a Stanley Cup championship caliber team this year, and that's even with some of the flaws that, that they had. You know, now I don't, look, we, you definitely like to think with the way Jordan Bennington was playing, that you had a, that you had a good chance, uh, an even better chance, and you took Colorado to six games as it was. Um, you know, the Colorado Avalanche just beat the best goaltender in the world and Andre Vazdalesk. So put it all into perspective, who knows if the Blues win that series with a healthy Jordan Bennington or not. But, yeah, I do believe that if the Blues had gotten past them, that they could have won a Stanley Cup.
2: Well, with that being said, Curbs, and your confidence level in this group, what do you think the Blues' most pressing need is this offseason? season?
1: Same as it's been, uh, you know, you, you got to first figure out what you're doing with David Perron, you know, and then, then you've got to look and see if you can find a little more consistency and something you're confident in, I think, on the top, uh, somewhere in your top four defensively with a left-handed shot. So um, I think those same needs and those same questions that, that, that kind of you had, you were trying to fill, and then you addressed with Nick Letty remain those question marks going into the off season. And then the reason for that uh, is is your core is still under contract and in good shape. So I, you know, the the priorities still, I think, remain, you know, at least in my opinion, Perron one, the defenseman two, and then you figure out what you're doing. uh, Billy Huso signs somewhere else or he re-signs with you
0: guys. And Curbs, I I look at Letty and I feel really good about what he did from the time that he got here until the end of the season. That being said, I I feel pretty good about Scandella too, although that season was shortened by COVID, but I would not be uncomfortable if I were in the Blues' shoes giving him a pretty good contract to come back. He seems to be a really, now, would I go six and a half like their top three defensemen are making? Probably not. But he seems like a really good fit in that top four with Falk, Krug, and Pareko.
1: Well, he was a good fit. He has experience. He's uh, you know He had gone to the conference finals a couple of times in a row. You know, I, I just think that I think they'd like to find somebody that's got a little more size and maybe a little more dynamic. Um, so I and, and and I think some the stuff is going to be out there. And again, now, one of the reasons that that Nick Letty deal ended up being so important was because of the injuries to Marco Scandella. And frankly, some of the inconsistencies you've seen from Marco, you know, so I don't know if they're completely confident saying, hey, we're fine if Marco's in our top four um in right now, um, and I think we saw that as these playoffs went along. So clearly you know that Doug Armstrong values defensive depth. You saw what they did. I mean, at times Carl Gunnarsson was a healthy scratch, and then he's coming from the press box into your top pairing with Alex Petrangelo. It, Doug Armstrong, he's been general manager of this team long enough that you know his M.O. They value defensive depth. They value size. And they value, you know, some of that that grit and toughness that you need back there. So uh, I I still think that if there's a way for them to upgrade even beyond Nick Letty, I could see them looking for that.
2: Curbs, put yourself in Doug Armstrong's shoes. I'm sure they're very nice shoes. But (laughs) um, Villejusa was so great for the Blues. But I think a lot of fans out there are assuming that it just won't be feasible for the Blues to retain him. If you were Army, would you think that that was something that you should try to do, try to find a way to extend him?
1: Well, I'm... You know, Doug Armstrong got asked, Michelle, in his press conference at the end of the year, do you see, from a staff salary cap standpoint, can you keep Baron, Letty, and Uso? And he looked right into the microphone or in the cameras and said, no. <laughs> I mean, he actually answered with, uh, well, we'd like to see what we can do. No, he just said, no, I don't think we can. So I'm like, okay, that that's a heck of a straightforward reply. Um you know, Billy Huso an interesting one because the, the fact that Jordan Bennington took over that net in the playoffs kind of makes you think that, okay, there's still some question marks around Billy, and, and, and justifiably so from a playoff standpoint. And look at the all-around goaltending situation in the National Hockey League. You know, Sergey Bobrovsky hasn't lived up to his contract by any means with the Florida Panthers. Uh, Carey Price didn't live up to his, he hasn't lived up to his contract year in, year out with, with those big $10 million a year contracts with the Montreal Canadiens. You know, I I, I think that the, the the big time length of signing contracts. You know, look at what Vegas is dealing with with Robin Leonard, for example. You know, uh, so to me, I think it's an interesting one because would if you're the Blues, would you like to sign Billy to another couple of years while you continue to maybe have Joel Hofer grow in the minors? Absolutely, but. I think Billy's going to get enough looks where there's a chance he, he does get priced out of what the Blues would be willing to pay him. Uh, just and and that's the business side of it. So I, part of me is just right now still feeling that I would be surprised that he does remain with the St. Louis Blues.
0: And. Curbs, in regards to the young players, you mentioned Hofer and uh, Charlie Lindgren. Boy, what a great run Springfield had in the AHL playoffs, going all the way to the Calder Cup Finals before losing to Chicago. But the Blues do have a lot of good young players. Despite the fact that the Blues have been really good, it's remarkable that they are able to bring as many young players up to the NHL as they do.
1: You know, Randy, they did have a heck of a season down there. And look at Dakota Joshua. I mean, it was... Not quite Keenan like yo yo back and forth to the minors, right? But it was a heck of a year for him, for five or six different call-ups and then they go on that deep run. And a deep run like that in, in the American hockey league is extraordinarily good, you know, for their experience level as well. And and I think you gotta give James Neal a lot of credit for leading by example what he did down there. Charlie Lindgren had a heck of a season. Joel Hofer saw some, you know, Calder Cup playoff, Calder Cup final games. And, you know, so there was a lot of valuable experience there. A guy like Joel Hofer, I got to think the Blues would like to keep him down there playing a little bit longer and not being a backup up here in the National Hockey League. I haven't circled back yet on where they think uh, Charlie Lindgren is in terms of him being an option, potentially a Billy Huso were to go. But whether it be a Tanner Capsick, whether, whether it be some of these younger guys, you know, I, I think Clem Coston was just okay. Not great, so we'll see, you know, the role that, that, that he fits in there. But we saw Callie Rosen, the impact he could have here, and the Blues re-signed him. There, there is some good depth that the Blues are continuing to develop. And when you can get a team that goes on a deep run at that level, it, that, that, that experience is extraordinarily valuable.
0: And by the way, in the playoffs, uh, in 18 games, Costin had eight points, four goals, four assists, and notably, Curbs, I thought, 32 penalty minutes. So he was playing a physical brand of hockey.
1: Yeah, well, and and that's the thing he does. It it just became consistent, just not consistent enough up here, Andy. And so, and when they saw what Toropchenko was able to do, Toropchenko basically took over some spots. He he, he yeah. stole positions and did what you hope young guys would do. Come on up, be given an opportunity, and say you know do the old Vince Coleman. You know, thank you very much, uh Mr. Maxville, but I'm I'm here to stay. You're Right, so. Uh, th- that's what Toropchenko did. It- it's going to be an interesting offseason because I-, I do know that I got to think that the Blues want to address some of that consistency. And so whether they're looking at I am Dakota Joshua as-, as a center on the fourth line, Toropchenko on the wing, they- that- there's obviously clearly some good size. They like those players. Do they have the confidence to have them become the regular roles at the NHL level? You still need four lines to roll and win a Stanley Cup in the National Hockey League. And and I think the Blues still have some consistency issues to figure out with their young guys.
0: Hey, Kerbs, one last thing before we let you go, because the draft is coming up, and uh, Doug Armstrong likes to have young assets. I would think that with O'Reilly and Tarasenko and Barbashev approaching UFA next year and what you have this year with uh, Perron and perhaps Letty, I would think the Blues would want to have as many young, inexpensive assets as possible. Would it surprise you if they would make a move to go for it in 2022-2023 by moving a draft choice in this draft?
1: No, not at all. And, and Randy, cause, and, and, and I've, been, I've been saying this for a while, at some point you're going to move what's going to be a really good player to keep yourself in that championship window because youth is still youth and it's hard to win with too much youth in your lineup. That's that's the bottom line. So to me, that, that wouldn't surprise me at all. Now, look, the Blues have had some tremendous success uh, drafting in, in, in the second half. As a matter of fact, yeah, I, I did a little bit of draft, you know, looking up over the last couple of days here. You know, since 2005, the Blues have had 18 first-round draft picks. Eric Johnson was the 10th of those 18 picks that have won a cup, either with the Blues or with another team. Eller winning with Washington, for example. Cole winning with uh, Pittsburgh. A couple there with, with them. Uh, but e- even more importantly, you go back since Doug Armstrong took over in 2010, and you look at the drafting that he has done. There's been something like 79 total draft picks, 30 of which have played at least a game in the National Hockey League. But Randy, What's amazing to me is you go and you look at their first-round picks, and of all the first-round picks that they have taken, every single one but two has been impactful, I have via trade, to another team that's brought in a guy like Ryan O'Reilly, for example, Tate Thompson for Ryan O'Reilly. Or they've won a Stanley Cup with the St. Louis Blues. And so there, there is tremendous value, and the Blues have been excellent at finding good players from 15 on in the NHL draft. And so that I, I, that's why I still think that it's important to watch what the Blues do here, because it's okay if they trade down, maybe they trade up, maybe they trade that first round pick for a player. But when you look at the success they've had in the second and the third rounds with the Jordan Kairos, with the Bolton Parekos, the Joel Edmondsons, the, the Jordan Benningtons, and that list goes on and on. They've been really, really good replenishing their team with second third and late first round picks when most teams have not been able to do that. And so that's why I think you're comfortable if they do decide to trade an asset to get something that can be more impactful at the NHL level right now.
0: Kerbs, great stuff as always. Thanks so much for the time. We do appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Have an awesome day
1: out there, guys. What a great great organization, Folds of Honor. is. hope you guys have a great day.
0: Thank you very much. We do appreciate that. And Chris Kerber joins us on 101 ESPN.